Hey, good morning. I want to welcome all of you joining us online. So good to see all of you here in person with us today. It's one of my favorite days of the year, our new arrivals day. Just have that kind of chaos on this stage for a few minutes is a waste, right? Especially in and through Jesus and the cross. God has modeled love and spells love in a lot of different ways. But I think God would say the same thing to us. That for God to love us and for us to grow in a deeper love for God, like some time has to be there. Like God wants some time with his people. God needs time with his people. And sometimes it's hard for us to find time to be with God because I think most of us would say we live busy lives. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot of distractions. So I hear people say quite a bit, I wish I, I wish I prayed better, I wish I prayed more, I just can't find the time, or I wish I had more time in the Word of God, or I wish I took time to grow my faith, I just can't find the time, or what we're doing this month. I've heard people say, I wish I had time to develop a rhythm of life, but I don't have the time. And here's what I've come to believe. It's not a matter of having time. We have the time. It's about priorities and desire. Because you talk to the busiest people you're around, and they can still tell you the shows they watch on Netflix and the drama unfolding on Yellowstone. The busiest people you may know, yet they still have time. They can tell you every box score for the Grizzlies and stat lines and what's happening with the Memphis Tigers. And they can tell you the news that's happening locally, domestically, internationally. So we have the time. It's not about not having time. It's about priorities and desire. So God does not guilt you into time with him. God will, until the day you die, God will invite you into time with him. It's not about guilt, but God's going to come at you with a thousand different invitations to be in his presence. So what we're doing in January in a combined adult class, also here, what we're talking about is rhythm of life some kind of support structure where you're taken seriously and you're thinking through exercises and habits and practices that are helping to form and shape your faith. So last week I walked you through what a rhythm of life looks like for me. I develop a new one every 12 to 18 months and they look differently. And I'm going to show you just real quick a, a few disciplines in my life for the first quarter of 2023. And I showed you these last week, and I'm going to go through them quickly. Just some of my prayer commitments is every morning I try to spend 15 minutes alone with the Lord. Every night, I try to take five minutes in prayer and reflection on my day, which may, may be a time of repentance and may be a time of gratitude. There's going to be prayer that I offer up throughout every day. Sometimes when people come to my mind or when I'm driving or uh, times I pause just to, to pray, prayer's going to happen. But I need prayer in the morning to center me, and I need prayer later on in the evening just to remind me of what God did in and throughout that day. I've made a commitment the first four months of this year. I want to read through all four Gospels once a month. I want to read and reread the Gospels. I also try to be in a psalm almost every day. Psalms uh, for some people. I know Jeff Cousins, if you want somebody where, who can teach you how to walk through and pray the psalms, Jeff is one to talk to. The psalms gives us prayer language. And I try to read First and Second Timothy and Titus once a month. That's my commitment for the first four months of the year. I'm also committed to fasting a couple of times a month. Fasting, and I'm going to talk about it more next week, as, as strange as it sounds to some people, it can center my heart. There's times when I experience hunger pains and I can offer them up to God as a, as, as a way of me saying, God, I want to hunger for you more than anything else. I'm committed. There's a couple of writing projects in my life that I want to be a spiritual experience. 
And then there's just some commitments I make to encouraging. And, and, but here's the thing, all right, for me, every 12 to 18 months, there have been times I've developed a rhythm of life where there may be something in there about generosity or service or commitments for our marriage or our family or, or exercise. Like, I don't want you to look at mine and think that's the formula I need. You may just have one or two things you need to think about this year of what are some intentional things you can do to give God space to work on your heart and to connect with you. Now, this sounds like I'm about to make a plug for the awakening tonight, and in a way I am, but I'm about to share a couple of things that I hope will be of benefit to you as you think about prayer. We started the awakening two years ago, and one of the main reasons is we just want to help expand and grow the prayer culture in our church. So tonight, we're going to have a time of worship and teaching and prayer. And the focus tonight is on Alpha and Omega, how God's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And part of what I want to talk about tonight is God is the global Alpha and Omega, meaning that God created the world and God will bring it to fulfillment. And God's the global Alpha and Omega, but God is also your Alpha and Omega. God created you and God is on every single, like every single step of the journey in your life. God is there. And tonight what we want to do is there are going to be a few prayer stations for you and we're going to have an opportunity tonight for us to voice or to talk about some obstacles that are keeping us from living in the story God wants us to live. There's going to be a prayer station where you're able to hold something that helps identify you as a child of God. And then we're going to honor James chapter 5, verse 14 where it says, if you are sick or there's like something broken in your life, go to the elders and let them anoint you with oil. And we want to just honor that and see what kind of promises may flow from it. So there's going to be space tonight for our hearts to be set right as we think about the story we are in with God. Now, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, and then I want to jump to Matthew chapter 6. And in Luke chapter 11, I just want us to see one verse. And when we think about the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we think Matthew chapter 6. Like when you pray the Lord's Prayer in public spaces or, or in your life, Matthew 6 is usually the form you pray. Luke 11 also has a form of the Lord's Prayer. But there's this one verse, and what it says is this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I want you to think about this, all right? This is Luke chapter 11. Jesus had already called apostles in Luke chapter, Luke chapter 6. Disciples have been with Jesus now for a lot of things. And all those disciples, all those apostles, were good, faithful Jews. They grew up going to synagogue. They went to Wednesday night church. They knew the songs. They knew the prayers. They had been a part of Passover and other festivals. They had been praying their entire lives. They had seen prayer, heard a piece of that. So if I were to ask you today, like, should we pray... I think everybody here would say, yes, we should pray. If I were to say, should Christians pray? I think, I think all of us would agree, yes, we should pray. But I don't think anybody in this space today would stand up on this stage and say, I am probably the best prayer in this church. Like, I have prayer down. Like, my connection to God is better than anyone else. So if you want somebody to model a prayer life after, like, I have figured it out. I think most of us would say, our prayer lives, we wish they were more consistent. We wish they were more vibrant. Like, we would like to be able to pray with deeper passion, more consistency, giving more time, more time to God. Here's what Henry Nouwen says. And he was quoting somebody else when he says this. Henry Nouwen says, to pray is to descend with the mind into the heart and there stand before the face of the Lord ever-present all seeing within you. There's something about going from the mind to the heart. 
So what is it that leads you into prayer? What is it that increases your prayer life? And let me just throw up a few images that increase my prayer life. The first one is this. It's having a student driver in my family now. And I'll say, true, it's a good, safe driver. But I also know I'm putting who I feel is a good, safe driver out on the roads where I'm not really sure if he's surrounded by other people who are good, safe drivers. You got a kid driving, it increases the way you pray. I start praying formulas. I said I would never pray because they were just formulas. Like guide, guard, direct, hedge of protection, angel surround, God over, hand of God, like keep them safe. Like you start praying all kinds of prayers for your kids. One word that will increase our prayer lives. You ready for this, this next image? Poplar. That's it. You go downtown, get on Poplar, go east until it's not popular anymore. Jesus, take the will, will become the cry of your heart, right? You and Jesus will be connected like never before. You're going to be confessing sins in your life, making amends to the Lord. Like get, you're going to stop somewhere along the way and make donations to the church and to Agape and organizations just to make sure you're right. A few weeks ago when this hit, when we had the, the boil water advisory, and let's just say this, all right? When snow and ice hits, it needs to be when school is in session so the kids can get out of school, right? Not over the holidays. And then this stuff starts happening or you got to boil water, rolling blackouts, and just like things go wrong with the world, like it can increase the way you pray. And on a more serious note, what can increase the way we pray is events like this past week where the Harvest Church here this past week had a few leaders in a plane that crashes and a few people die. The mass shooting that happened last night in California, 10 people, last I saw, 10 people lost their lives. So when we see things happening in our city or around the world, it can increase, there are a lot of things that can increase the way we pray. So here's what I want to do, and this is going to be, I was thinking about this this morning, all right, this is going to be probably the worst setup of my preaching career, how I'm about to set this up. I'm about to put something up on the screen here in just a moment, and when I put this up, my like part of me wants to overwhelm you. I want to overwhelm you with what I'm about to show you. And I want to overwhelm you hoping that then I can try to bless you with what I'm about to show you. So I'm going to overwhelm you and here's the reason why. Is that I want to give my life in ministry. This isn't the sole reason. This isn't like the very center of my life in ministry. I want that to be about glory, glory for God, of people coming to know Jesus. But part of my life in ministry is I want to help equip people to know that prayer is not just about asking things from God. Prayer is about connection to God. And in connection to God, forms of prayer will come that's asking things of God, but it's so much more than just making requests of the Lord. So I want to overwhelm you and then try to bless you, all right? And go ahead and put up this image. Here are different forms of prayer. And I could have added another couple of slides with that many different ways to pray on it. Because when it comes to forms of prayer, you have intercession, where we're praying for each other. You're interceding for people. Thanksgiving, lament, repentance, acknowledgement, like just remembering who God is, supplication, breath prayer, centering prayers, contemplative prayer, prayer walking, praying the hours, healing prayer, listening prayer, praying scripture. And let's just leave that up there just for a moment. And part of it is wanting to overwhelm you, but I want you to think about it like this. And here's why I, I want to try to bless you. And this may not be the best example to use, but just go with me here. I want you to think about a fitness gym. 
I want you to think about people addicted to fitness who are walking in gyms every day of their life, maybe carrying around mirrors just to see how their arms are looking for the day. You know, these kind of people always going in gyms. And the best of the best, the people committed to going in a gym every single day of their lives, no, none of them go in a gym and get on every single piece of, uh, of equipment. None of them go in a gym and, and get on every single piece of cardio equipment. None of them go in a gym and touch every single dumbbell or every single kettleball or every single weight or get under every exercise uh, machine and, and get every mat to do every stretch you can think of with yoga and Pilates. Like no, None of them do it. Most people go in a gym and they, you go in with the mindset, today I'm going to do chest and arms or today I'm going to do shoulders and back or today I'm going to do legs. So here's the connection I want to make, is that maybe in 2023 what God wants to do in your life is not grow you in every single one of those areas, but maybe this is a year where God wants to grow your muscle for gratitude. Maybe this is a year where God wants to redeem just how maybe you walk around the neighborhood or when you go walk around Shelby Farms, maybe occasionally you're not just listening to a podcast about what's going on in the world. Maybe you use a few minutes of that just to walk with God. Then maybe there's a way God wants to stretch you and grow you in prayer that you've never allowed God to grow you before. Maybe there's just one way. So let me show you a few prayer commitments in my life. There are a lot of times where I pray that I will set a timer on my phone, put the phone away from me so that I can pray. And what this does is it helps me to know that prayer is not about monologue, prayer is about dialogue. There are a lot of times when we pray, we want God to hear what we have to say, but we don't give God any space to speak or reveal something in return. So sometimes for me, I don't just want a commitment, okay, God, I need you to hear what I have to say, but God, I'm committing to some space today, and I'm not going to leave this space until this timer goes off. So there may be times where I set a timer for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, and I'm gonna, I probably have things I'm going to say, but I want prayer in my life to be about dialogue where I'm giving God a chance to reveal something to me. Some, some just small, like short commitments, small commitments I make is there or seasons of my life, I try to take two minutes just to offer up prayers of gratitude. I'm not going to ask God for anything. I'm just going to thank God for something. I try to take five minutes every day just to offer up prayers of repentance. And this has become such a rich gift in my life. When you know that you were repenting in the arms of God who loves you, there is so much God can do with repentance when we come before God because there's something in our mind or thoughts in us or, or something in our heart that we need to get rid of, there's so much God can do with that. There are times where I'm interceding for people throughout the day or throughout the week, but then there's times where I just, I'm asking God, when you bring someone to my mind, I want to offer them up to you in prayer. Therefore, sometimes I put prayer on God, like his responsibility, to remind me of things I need to pray for. And every morning, it is so good for me. This centers my heart every morning. As part of that 15 minutes of prayer, it's not just praying for people. The majority of that is me just acknowledging who God is and how that impacts my day. God, you created in the beginning, you're creating now. You delivered, you still deliver. You dispense steadfast love, you still dispense love. You're the God who has said the resurrection of Jesus is the best news for the world. Let it impact how I engage or how I interact with people around me today. So I'm trying just to acknowledge who God is in my life.
Now, Matthew chapter 6, just for a moment. We're in Matthew 6 last week, today, and next week. And there's a statement Jesus makes when he addresses three different topics. In Luke chapter 6, verse 2, it's when you give. In Luke 6, verses 5, and again in verse 7, it's when you pray. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 16, it's when you fast. And notice the language Jesus uses. Jesus doesn't use language of if you give or if you pray or if you fast. And this isn't a command. It's not Jesus saying, you better give and you better pray or you better fast. It's just as a, an assumption that these things are going to be done. Jesus is just assuming the followers of God, there's going to be giving and generosity in their life. They're going to pray and they're going to fast. And last week I talked just for a moment about giving and, and Jesus uh, didn't even, he, doesn't, he didn't expound on it very much, but I talked just for a moment, like I think there are biblical principles of tithing and first fruits that are good and biblical and helpful and formative for us. And the phrase I keep coming back to for the church and I think from, from God too is that when it comes to giving and generosity, it's not just that we or even God want something from you, but for you. It is a formative discipline in your life. Next week I want to talk about fasting and how Jesus talks about it, how Jesus modeled it. Today I want to talk about prayer just for a moment. Here's what Jesus says in verse 5 and 6. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. And truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I don't think Jesus is criticizing public prayer. He's criticizing private prayer that is done in public so that other people can see it. And his emphasis here is on like the inner room, like the storage room or the pantry. It's Jesus' way of saying, you don't need a bunch of crowds around. This is about divine connection in your life. And then Jesus says this in verse 7 and 8, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. There were ancient pagan traditions of when they would cry out to their God, they're trying to put together the right formula and impress their gods with just the right words and with their many words. And Jesus is saying, when it comes to our God, you don't have to do that. And I've done this in my prayer time quite a bit where I'm trying to find just the right formula that I can pray that will impress God so that God will heal someone or move in someone's life. It's, it's not about formulas. It's not about a bunch of words. It's not going to impress God. It's about divine connection. And then Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. In verse 19, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And not all of your versions have it, but right after that is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. It's the center of the Sermon on the Mount. There are people who say, this is the spiritual heart of the Sermon on the Mount. That Jesus teaches people to pray this prayer. A prayer of recognition for who God is. A prayer of asking God just for the daily necessities in life. 
A prayer of forgiveness because it's what set the, sets the world right. A prayer of acknowledgement of warfare that is happening in the spiritual realm in ways that sometimes we can't even explain, yet it is there and asking God for that kind of protection. There's the Jewish 18 benediction that you can read that in the times of Jesus were prayers that were being prayed in synagogues and every single line in the Lord's Prayer you will find in it. So these are probably phrases that people have prayed for years. Yet Jesus put them together in this short prayer not to give people a formula to pray, but if you're looking for a way to deepen your life in God, here you go. The Didache, which was a teaching for early Christians, says in there that this is a prayer that you should pray three times a day Three times a day, you should pause in your life and just work through the Lord's Prayer. Two statements and one question. Here you go. Prayer is not a psychological exercise. It is a relational experience. It's not doing psychological work with God. It's about cultivating a relationship. The second thing is this. Prayer is not about getting our way with God. Prayer is about knowing God. And here's the question. If God were to answer the prayers you are offering up to God now, who gets better? Because the Lord grew my prayer life back in high school when I realized that sometimes the best prayers I was praying to God went like this. God, help me to do good on my test today. And I know I didn't study and I didn't read the book, and I haven't really listened in class, but if I get anything worse than a B, I'm going to get grounded, and my coaches are going to make me run, so help me do well on a test. If God were to answer the prayers of your life, who gets better? Henry Nouwen says this. He says, Prayer is the way through the suffering of Jesus Christ. Praying is letting one's own heart become the place where the tears of God's children merge and become tears of hope. Karl Barth says that we can't bring in the kingdom, but we can be signs of the kingdom. So I want, what I want to leave us with today is the prayer Jesus taught us to pray, and right in the middle of it is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want this to be the prayer we pray today for the new arrivals we prayed over earlier, that we want the kingdom of God to be established in their life. And for it to be established in them, we want it to be established in us. And as we take the bread and the cup today, we are reminded who the king is and what the king did to establish his kingdom so that we can even pray a prayer for God's kingdom to come. And as you look throughout the Sermon on the Mount, it's not language of me and I. It's not my Father in heaven. It's our Father. It's give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. It's this reminder that we are we're in this together. We do this together. So today, I know we have a number of guests in the house, and we do communion here. So we have six tables around the room, and you can go at your own pace over the next few minutes. But as we take the bread and take the cup today, let's remind ourselves and each other of the kingdom Jesus has called us to be a part of. And may the kingdom of God be established in us today, and may the kingdom of God help us to pray in ways that we've never prayed before.
I want to ask our elders, if you will, go to the places where you're going to receive people. Over to my right is going to be Lever Nice. Over to my left, Laura Moore are here to receive people. I'll be right up here with Casey uh, to my left if there's anything we can do for you. If there's anyone here in need of Jesus to surrender your life to him, be baptized in him, you can go to our website or you can also find any of the people standing around the room right now. If there's anything you want to bring before this church for prayer, my friend and one of our elders, Stoney, is up here to my right. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's pray. God, we pray for your kingdom to come in every store in the city, every home, every school. We pray for your kingdom to come in the 901 and the Mid-South, just as it is in heaven. We pray for your kingdom to come in this state, this country, and this world. You do not say that you hate this world, but that you love this world and you want this world to be saved. So God, may we step into the prayer we pray today for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. For the bread and the cup that represents the sacrifice that has set this world right, we step into this moment with each other as we move toward you and into this world. Through Christ we pray, amen. Welcome to the table.